Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not go you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shell Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And hey, happy anniversary. Got you on my mind. Wait, is it our anniversary? It is. It's our three-year anniversary. It isn't. I promise you it is. We started this podcast, we sent out the press release, and posted the first one on 12-12-11. Really? Yeah. Wait, we've been doing this for three years? <laughs> yes, we have. What the hell? What the hell? We've been entertaining the masses have we? for three years. Have we, though? I like to think so. How many, what constitutes a mass? How many people? Uh, more than seven, I thought was, unless it's metric. More, more than seven is officially a mass. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been, wow, that's hard to believe. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Well, happy anniversary. Uh, I just happened to be, uh, I was looking up something else, uh, for an article I was writing and that press release came up on like Google and I was like, holy cats. That is crazy. Our anniversary. Yeah. You know, that's, we really should take the time more often to sort of pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> Should we? We're doing this freaking show. Well, I mean, we're either we're either completely deluded, thinking, which we are. Thinking, yes, thinking that you know, our egos, thinking that anybody wants to listen to this stuff, whatever the hell we're talking about for three years. Um, I don't know, or or we we're you know we 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 have a certain amount of confidence or self belief that people are listening. You know, we because we don't. We don't, you know, we can track, you can track the number of listeners now and then, but it's not like we get the box office results the next day right? and know who's listening. And, you know, of those numbers, do we know how many started listening and then 15 minutes in went, okay, bored over this, you know, and shut us off? I do not know that, no. So, (laughs) But I imagine all of them. Yeah, I'd imagine most of them kind of, they keep giving it, I'll try it again this week. We'll see if they get me. Oh, still talking about Doctor Who. Still All right. Jibba-jabbing about toys. So, well, happy anniversary. Uh, I wouldn't have missed it for the for the world. Yeah. Great. That's very cool. Well, that, that's a lot of content. You know, even if we just take it, well, this is episode 117. So even if we just said every episode was an hour, which they're not, that's 117 hours of us talking, of content. Jeez. But we know most of them are longer than that because we can't shut up. That's a marathon. You're no, it's, yeah. it's true. What we should do to really go out of our minds is to add up, or not even add up the actual length. Let's say we end up uh, doing a charity thing at episode 125, and we decide to do a marathon and talk for 125 hours <laughs> uninterrupted. What charity is that for? Is that for the orphanage you work for the at? Char- for the mental institution that we'll end up in <laughs> after we're done. And for the orphanage that I, the uh, the Cider House orphanage that I right. yeah. devote most of my 
my time to my days. Uh, well, that's very cool. What a great way to start. It's the holidays. It's a new episode. There's lots of stuff to talk about. We haven't done this in a while. It's been a couple of weeks. You know, life gets in the way. Remember in Jurassic Park, life, life finds a way? Yes. Well, for Geek Shell and Hera, life gets in the way. That, that's, that can be true. That's our, that's our other logo. Uh, I mean, our uh, motto. tagline. Motto, yeah. So, lots to talk about. I suppose we could dive right in and get to what we're excited about. And as always, you go first. Because uh, oh, boy. it's your computer. Right. <laughs> Is that how this works? <laughs> Whoever has the computer gets to go right. first? Whoever's... I thought it was a much more scientific scientific methodology, but clearly it's not. Whoever, it's just whoever's got, who's ever got the computer, yeah, hits, jump in. Hits the record button. Gets the right. All Why right. We start with you and what you're excited about. Please okay. don't say the live uh, broadcast of Peter Pan with Allison Williams and Christopher Walken. Because I know you're excited about that because you're a musical guy. Does that mean we just end the episode? Oh, Good night, everybody. Because uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm excited about, and then it's it's basically our list because we haven't talked. But uh, if I'm going to pick something this week, uh, I, I I've now been able to have in my sweaty sweaty mitts uh, the new DC collectibles Batman animated series Wave One. Okay, now these are the DC these are the collectibles, six inch, yeah, six DC inch. collectible. For the and they and what what's funny about these is they're really mixing and matching stuff. They're not taking it chronologically. So the Batman that's been released is what is that our third version of, of Batman or is that the first reboot of his outfit uh, in the animated series when they changed the title and everything? Is that what he? So yeah, it, it is that that first reboot. So yeah. basically, you know, Batman the animated series proper uh, was really divided into Batman the animated series and the new Batman Adventures. So with each wave, there are four figure waves, and the formula is three from one era, one of the other, and then the next wave they flip it where it will be three of the first era, one of the reboot. Right. So Which this first won't be confusing for collectors at all. Well, just it gives you the opportunity to get everyone, mm-hmm. and you know, because they're going to do both versions of Batman, right. they're going to do multiple Robins and right. Multiple jokers. So the first wave is uh, Batman, Two-Face, and Mr. Freeze from the New Adventures, and then <laughs> Catwoman from Batman the Animated Series. Okay. Now, uh, you know, first of all, we have to talk about that there is some breakage on Batman. I'm hearing people a lot are aware of, of it. A lot of negativity about this line, I have to tell you. Uh, but you go, go ahead and uh, hit what you want to hit. Of the line overall? Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, the overall sort of, uh, assessment is if ever there was a line that people are on the fence about, it's this thing because um, of the choices made in design, articulation, breakage, uh, cost. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've got some promo copies or whatever, but they're 25 bones for the, yeah. for the rest of the folks that want to get them. And they're, you know, people have like a, a toy allowance every month. They're, that's an expensive right. commitment to start to make. For um, for this line, so and I'm, just, I'm just hearing, you know, people they're they're beautiful, they look great and everything, but it's, you know, it's one of those things that I've I've been seeing, you know, on the internet for a while now, where people are really on the fence about making the commitment to them, right? You know? 
Well, you know, this is the line. This is the line that I always wanted. I got into the whole toy journalism thing because of the old Kenner Batman animated figures. Because no one, there was no information on them out there. And I stuff remember. Was just a surprise. You remember seeing the first picture of that first wave, which, you know, interrupt any time. I'm going to say was Batman, Catwoman, Penguin, Joker, Two Face. And then there was the Rocketeer Batman with Rocketeer right, yeah. helmet. And the, I think that was it, right? Six yep, characters yep. or something? Uh-huh. And I remember seeing the first image of those. And it, it, something about it just knocked me out. And I think, oh, yeah. I think what it was, I mean, because they were beautifully done, really. Yep. I think what it was was it knocked me out that with rare exception here and there, Flash Gordon filmation – series comes to mind. Uh, yes, you know, we obviously had He-Man and, you know, Brave Star and, or Black Star and stuff like that. But it really knocked me out that I was like, oh my gosh, they took this two-dimensional animated series and really uh, took, it, took it that much further with a 3D uh, action figure line. Yeah. Don't, you th- don't you think that it was like the best depiction of animated characters Oh, yeah. I love that line. Right? And that's why I'm excited about this this line, too. Sure. And this uh, line comes with loads of, like, you know, hand, different hand changes and accessories and things. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty hefty, uh, you know, right? I mean, don't, aren't there... Yeah, really, yeah. yeah like the, the Catwoman comes with a cat that has six points of articulation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's got, you know, her whip. She's got, you know, multiple hands. Uh, the The Mr. Freeze has the head that pops off and the spider legs that come out of it. I love that's my favorite Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Two-Face has the, you know, the two potions that he mixed together in a little suitcase that can open, he can put the things in right. and it closes up. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's a, a ton of stuff that come with it. Batman's got both the over the shoulders cape and the behind the shoulders cape. Mm-hmm. I saw that. That uh, was cool. That, yeah. that kind of bummed me out. I initially thought god, they gave this extra articulation, but he can't do stuff. But then you you mentioned that 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 was happening, so that that's cool. I mean, I'll probably get a few here and there. I, I I don't think I can commit to this thing, cost, and also just where it's going to go. I mean, you could end up with eighty friggin' figures in this 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 line, and uh, it just it's just too much. I just I, I can't do it. But um, but I'll probably at least get the first Batman. You know. Yeah. Well, with you know Mattel not doing the six inch Batman stuff anymore, that kind of frees up that what I was getting that stuff for. Right. So I'm just going to transfer it over here. But yeah, I, I mean, they're really, really lovely. The Batman has a, a little bit of breakage on the foot. I'm hearing uh, Catwoman has been out just about a week and then Mr. Freeze and Two-Face are coming any day now. So Nice. Um, I can tell folks if they care, uh, Entertainment Earth. And I, I never really plug Entertainment Earth, even though I know those guys, obviously, and love them. Um, Entertainment Earth, I think, has them for $19.99. Oh, that's great. Because uh, I think retail is normally like $24.95 or something. Yeah. Um, so that's a good spot to go, go get them if you're, if you're curious, if you're looking for them. And they always do sure. stuff. Entertainment Earth always does stuff, too, where it's like, right? Like spend $60, $70, bucks, get free shipping or something or a hundred bucks or whatever. And they're always doing stuff like that. So, um, it's a good spot to go. Indeed. Uh, Cool. That's cool. Um, well, is that, are you, is that it for, 
That's what I'm excited about. On that one? Okay. Sticking to it. Well, I am – I don't think the word excited – could you – could you – could you give me a variation on the word excited or another word that means more than excited? Is there such a thing? Thrilled. Thrilled. Uh, loopy. What was, the, what was that one? Loopy. Loopy's good. What I'm loopy about. Yeah. Bonkers. Bonkers is good. You're getting warm. You're getting warm. Okay. Um, I think loopy might be good. Ex- how, about, how about ecstatic? Ecstatic. I like it. What I'm ecstatic about this uh-huh. week. Uh, as eagle-eyed listeners may have noticed here and there, there are certain uh, musical acts, either individuals or you know people that have passed away, or even you know bands, as, as the kids call them, these new pop groups, these new pop combos that are out climbing the charts. There's a handful that I you know visit more often than others on the show that people know about. And one of those bands is Jellyfish. Um, uh, just just love them to death. They only made two albums. Um, I always say this though when I talk about them. The crossover for those of you that have never listened to Jellyfish, if you're even curious to dip your toes in that hot tub, as they say. Um, number one, you should. But two, you probably are familiar with at least Andy Sturmer, who was the lead singer and co-songwriter of the bulk of the material, uh, from his work with Cartoon Network. Uh, oh, Andy right. Sturmer was, is is currently responsible and has been actually for the uh, Brave and the Bold uh, animated series uh, theme music, opening right. closing credits. Uh, do you remember the series? Of course you do. But the series from I'm going to say eight nine years ago that was just called The Batman. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Um, that one. The original. Wait, I'm going to get this wrong. No, I'm not. The original theme of that was done by The Edge out of a pop combo called U2. Yes, that is correct. But then I, I think after the first season, they changed the theme or something. I don't know why, because it's a brilliant theme. But I think they changed it, and then Andy Sturmer got that gig. But the one that he's best known for, and really is the catchiest, is Teen Titans, uh, which was sung by Puffy Amiyumi the Japanese duo, the two, two ladies. Yep. Um, and he ended up, you know, writing and producing for them. He's one of these guys that just, I wish he would do more stuff because his voice pops up now and then, you know, cameoing on people's records, but you just go, what have you been doing? You got such a great voice. Do something. Anyway, um, they made two records. First one's called belly button. Uh, the second album, which is one of my all time favorite records is called spilt milk. Um, Belly Button was like, these guys are great, amazing, just everything, all the stuff that I love, you know, pop, the 60s pop sound, the Beatles, Wings, for God's sake, Queen, Super Tramp, all these crazy things thrown in a blender with great lyrics and, um, and he's a great vocalist and everything. Um, but Spilt Milk really, really put him over the top for me. It's just a... Um, you know, it's like I always say, like, there, nobody sounds like Kate Bush. You hear Kate Bush and you just go, oh, God, there's no one that's even – they try, but nobody can get there. And the only band I can think of that ever tried to come remotely close to the sound of Queen was Jellyfish. And they pulled it off. They were, all, they were right there, you know. Anyway, they split up and, you know, there's all kinds of stories about them. But 
different things have, have been released the past couple of years uh, to kind of keep the legend alive. One of them was called Live at Bogarts. Uh, it was a club out in L.A. back in the early 90s. They recorded this live concert, which is unbelievable. That came out. And a great uh, sort of an unplugged compilation called Radio Jellyfish. Uh, it, it's a combination of different... Um, visits they made to radio stations uh, that were, you know, acoustic little sets that they did, which is wonderful. But this has blown my mind. January 20th, uh, Omnivore Records is, is releasing Belly Button and Spilt Milk deluxe reissues with a total combined 51 bonus tracks. Good grief. Which is unbelievable. It is colossal, as they say. Um... You should probably go ahead and get your taxes done now, because you're going to blow right through February listening to that. Exactly. Um, And I I cannot wait. It's got everything. There was a box set, I think that was called Fan Club, because they have a song called Joining a Fan Club. It was a box set that came out like a decade ago that is now the kind of thing, it was out of print. So it's the kind of thing that if you find it on eBay, it's like $300 to get this thing. I think these... These reissues are going to have a lot of that stuff, so okay. a lot of demos, a lot of B-sides, alternate versions. There's even a fan club message you know, on one of these tracks. Um, just sounds like pretty much everything you could want. And you know how CDs age sometimes, like when you go back to give one, you know, if you, if you had two different albums back to back, the audio is so softer on this one versus this one or whatever. Um, if, if ever a band was screaming out for reissues of these records, it's these guys. Um, so I, that's what I'm beyond. What did we say? Ecstatic? Ecstatic. I am beyond ecstatic even about this, uh, coming out. So, uh, everybody get ready. January 20th, uh, Omnivore Records re-releasing Jellyfish Belly Button and Spilt Milk. So they both come out on the same day? Both come out on the same day. Okay. Do you, are, are you familiar with them at all? Like, do you ever have you ever listened to them, or have you tried anything? Because you, you would really, I'm telling you, you would like these guys because of the I think because of the type of music, but also, you know, a little you know a little tongue in cheekish here and there, okay, you know, and a little winky, and you know I know you like that stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I like the winky. Well, you, you like winky. No, I, I heard know. you like winky. Wait a uh, second. Uh, you should just you know go on YouTube and check out a couple of look. Tell you what, go on YouTube. This is your homework until we re- speak again. Go on YouTube and look up a jellyfish song called "New Mistake." It's from their second record from Spill Mill. It's called "New Mistake," and if yep. you listen to that or watch that video and you're completely turned off, I'll not bother you with jellyfish again but if you go so i just i just opened up my my itunes to see if i had any jellyfish and i have four of their albums you have four of their albums i have belly button yes. i have spilt milk yes. i have california dreaming okay that's like a and i have true be, believer both must be bootlegs they must be like bootleg comps of uh stuff well you got loads of stuff then uh, yeah, I just got to listen. So all you got to do is go to Spilt Milk, click on New Mistake, give it a whirl, and um, if you hate it, we don't have to talk about them again. If you like it, go on to the next track and see where it takes you. They're, they're a wonderful, wonderful band, and I cannot believe 
that spilt milk has already been out for 20 years. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's hard to hard to swallow. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That's what I'm ecstatic about. Nice. Uh, yeah. So th- there you go. And now we got you know 8,000 other things to talk about. Yes. So uh, I'll let you take it from there. What else is going? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I lied. I'm not going to let you take it from there. What? Hey, what happened? I felt like I just had control of the show, and now it's gone. Don't get used to it, pal. There is literally only one topic that you can go to next. Jurassic World. (laughs) Yep. The new (laughs) Owen Wilson vehicle. Yes. (laughs) There is literally only one thing you can go to next. I think I I might know what you're referring to. I think you might. Should we say it at the same time? Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Star Wars Episode 7 Force Awakens trailer. That was it. There it is. That's it. What a piece of shit. No. <laughs> so yeah, since since we last spoke, <laughs> a little something showed up right after the the Thanksgiving holidays as we were, you know, That's right. sitting in front of our TVs and buckling our belts waiting. There were people like waiting up all night for it, uh-huh. thinking that it was going to show up like at midnight. And eventually they had to uh-huh. like tweet and say, "Guys, it's not going to be up till like 10 o'clock. Go to bed." Oh, bless their little hearts. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to preface this by saying I think as lifelong Star Wars fans and card-carrying geeks, we are allowed to give our opinion on the Star Wars Episode Seven trailer. Um, I am not going to go down that road like 8 billion other people did as soon as it hit. I'm not going to do that. Okay. But I'm allowed to say how I feel about it without making it sound like I'm being whiny. I am not. I would preface it by saying I was excited before it started to play. I was excited when it was done, and I have watched it 25 times since. Okay. It's exciting. This is thrilling. This is fun. This is cool. But I do have just a couple little quibbles. But, you know, they're just little quibbles if you're going to be honest about how I feel about it. So let's start with you and how you feel overall. Uh, overall, very excited about it. Yes. Uh, it did exactly what a trailer should do. It got everyone talking. Uh, I think it was probably the most genius thing because I'm convinced that you know there was there was a description going around a couple of weeks before saying this is what the trailer is going to be. Oh, really? And I'm convinced they leaked that to throw everyone off. So it was basically saying oh, that okay. I didn't know that. There would be maybe one or two lines of dialogue, no uh, true scenes shown, but you would see each of the main characters from the old trilogy, Mm -hmm. like, turn and look at the camera. Uh And then the Millennium Falcon, you'd hear the music, the Millennium Falcon would fly at the camera. Right. And so, you know, I hit play, and that's what I'm waiting for. And there was, you know, right before it came out, there were like three or four fake trailers there was a Rick Roll one where you'd play it and it would show like, you know, Lucasfilm and then Bad Robot and then Rick Astley would start singing Never Gonna Give You Up. Is that and still happening? That it came back for this. Jeez. By golly. Huh. And if I if people uh-huh. posted it once, they posted it a billion times. And then there was another one that someone cut together that was you know, it just took footage from everything. It took 
footage from all six films, from the video games. Right. Uh, they comped in like Luke Skywalker under a hood, right. you know, with his beard. Right. And people, man, that thing ran around a billion times as, oh my gosh, the leaked trailer. So okay. for them, you know, for, you know, then to push play, and I'm waiting for, okay, here's it going to be. We're going to hear a line of dialogue, and we did. And then suddenly, you know, the kid from Attack the Block pops up in a Stormtrooper outfit. Right. I'm like, what? wait, what? what? This is completely different than what I'm expecting. That's not what I read. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I watched it initially on my phone because I had just woken up. And then I was like, oh, i got to watch it on my iPad. I and then I'm like, well, that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it on, you know, my biggest TV I've got. I don't got. know how so you just, even do that. I watched it three times back to back, just on progressively larger screens. Right, right. Um, okay, well, I, but I'm intrigued by everything they show. Yes, me too. I was excited by it. I thought it was thrilling and fun. Um, it did not blow my mind. Now, I want to clarify something. I think I think I am safe to go out on a limb and say this is the single most anticipated film in motion picture history. The one that was the most anticipated film in motion picture history, most recently before this, would have been The Phantom Menace. Correct. The one that would now be considered the third most anticipated film in the history of motion pictures was The Empire Strikes Back. You cannot overemphasize. It's a, it was a whole different world, you know, back in 1980, whole different world. And, and when you went to a movie like that, you know, you're standing in line and you watch the line grow and go around the building, even though you know you're going to get in for this first screening. You're not sure about those. But I mean, that was a, just a different freaking world. And and Star Wars changed everything. It changed. Yep. It changed everything. So Empire was the most anticipated film ever. But this is now. And I say that with utter confidence because. Like I, I think I said it last episode, it was you know if you if you if you collectively rounded everybody up and went back to 1997 and said which would you rather have three more Star Wars movies that go backwards and they're prequels and they tell you a story that we pretty much know and you kind of know how it's going to end up and who's going to live who's going to die who's going to get sick who's going to you know be deformed uh, or would you like three brand new ones that pick up where Return of the Jedi left off with those characters that we know and love. I think 85% of those people would have said the latter. I'll take three more movies with those people. Don't you think? Absolutely. So now we're getting it. Let's see those further adventures. Exactly. That's why we like, that's why we all tuned in to like the holiday special and the Ewok adventures and stuff, you know, picked up Marvel comics for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know, picked a you know red splinter of the mind's eye. You you know, speaking of, and I keep going back to rebels and how great, you know, it's a different guy that's in charge of this. It's not the same dude that always wears the fedora that did that did uh, Clone Wars. It's a different guy that's in charge of this, I'm pretty sure. Nope, it's still Dave Filoni. And who's the other guy, then? Who's the other guy? What do you mean, the other there's guy? Another guy. Are you talking- there's Dave Filoni, and then there's another guy that had something to do with something else. Well, there was the original Clone Wars shorts. Is that who you no, mean? No, not, not Gendi Klampalapa. Anyway... I think this. I think Rebels is miles better than Clone Wars. I never. I tried so hard with Clone Wars, never got into it. I think the biggest issue was everyone was so damn stuffy, and it was 
then it was it went between completely stuffy with the the Jedi stuff and everybody carrying a lightsaber to completely asinine. Like I hated his his you know little uh, Padawan or whatever she was. Anyway, I think this series is I think this series is miles better. But um, one of the things it's doing really one of the things it's doing really well is winking at the audience and and giving us all these great Easter eggs. The Ralph yeah. McQuarrie stuff, whatever. And the other day, one of the episodes, they mentioned the Kyber Crystal, which is right out of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yep, stuff like yep. that, you know? And I think that's we're going to see some of that in Episode 7. I think it's all kind of coming together. Um, anyway, that's, that's one of those things. So we're all, we're all looking for these expanded adventures and different things and whatever. So, so now we're getting it. So now we've got the most anticipated film of all time. Having said that, and I know what he's doing. I know this is a teaser, and it really is the definition of a teaser. Um, I don't mind that we didn't see the classic characters. I don't mind that we saw what we did. I just wanted to – like when I see something like Age of Ultron, I'm picking my chin up off the floor. Like oh, <laughs> right. I want it right freaking now. And of course I felt like that after – uh, this one after episode seven, I felt the same, like, Ooh, give it to me now. I just, there's great. I mean, it's, we're only talking about 80 fricking seconds. So everybody calm down, you know, that's right. 88 seconds. Can't get that critical. It's yeah. just, I wanted something to go. I wanted a moment. Do you remember the, okay, first of all, I'm jumping around it, but first of all, go back, everyone go back and watch the episode one Phantom Menace first trailer. Go back and watch it again. Regardless of how you feel about the film, and everyone knows how I feel about the film, try to put that out of your mind and just watch that trailer. It is still one of the greatest movie trailers ever put together. I mean, it. nothing else from that afterwards came even close to that trailer. None of the other trailers, nothing. It, it did everything it was supposed to do and more, and just the anticipation, everything else. There's little. And by everything, you mean lied to us. Except <laughs> you fucking completely lied to us about everything that was going to be in the movie. Although I do. Just, just real quick, it's a slight tangent. Because this <laughs> happened to me the other day, and it's weird because it happened after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone posted an international trailer for Prometheus that I had never seen before. Okay. And I watched that, and I'm like, that's the movie I want to see! Where's this movie? (laughs) Totally! You know, knowing full well that I've seen Prometheus twice now and not enjoyed it, but I watched that trailer and I go, hold on a second, all the pieces are there. Isn't that funny? Because there was something else that happened with me a few years ago, same way. I had seen the film and I went, well, shit, where was that movie? Because this trailer is telling me about a completely different film that's going to knock me off my socks. That's not what I freaking saw. So that's, that's what, you know, Phantom Menace, obviously. But when I go back, when you go back to it, uh, let's, let's just see here. You know, I, I will admit, though, by the second time, because I remember the day that that came out, the show I was working on, Hollywood Center Studios, all the monitors on the one side of the wall, CNN ran that thing over and over and over again. And we put, you know, blank VHS tapes in and recorded it. And I absolutely recorded it. Watched it a thousand times. But by the second viewing, I saw the guy who I pretty much, I think I'd figured out was Jar Jar Binks. Just a quick moment where he gets zapped and he goes, 
and his tongue kind of flaps. Yeah. And I just remember, just for a second and a half, going, "Oh, that's kind of worrisome." Like, what? Well, who's that fella? Oh, never mind. Let's watch the rest of it. So, the moment Darth Maul, who we'd kind of heard about, maybe that he's holding the lightsaber sideways. Yeah. And you're like, uh huh, awesome. And a second later, bam, the other end of the, of the saber lights up. Yes. Collectively, we all went, holy shit! What was that? I didn't have one of those moments watching this trailer. And I still haven't. I've had excitement and giddiness. And the bit with the falcon, you're like, oh, it's the falcon flying around. And I love, love. I, th- I think my favorite shot in the whole thing is that first shot of Attack the Block popping up in the frame. And you're going, yeah. you're going what the? Not only is it a great shot, you're like, what the hell's going on? What's yeah. he doing? Who's, where's he going? Yeah. Where's he's beat up. He's missing his helmet. Yeah. Is he, where's he coming you know, from? Where's he going? He's, he's confused, and then he's got to get away. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like not quite a stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. And is he supposed to be wearing it? Is he in disguise? Like, what is going on? See, that's, that's what it should be. That's great. I'm just saying, and I'm admitting this to the world, I did not have a moment of like, holy shit, like I had when, when that second part of Darth Maul's you know, lightsaber. And I know, it's, I know we're going to get it. I know it's coming, and I know it's going to be awesome. I have no doubt this movie is going to be awesome. I'm not worried in the least. And the brilliant thing is, from this moment forward, they literally could not release one photograph, not one action figure, not one trailer, and eight trillion people are still going to show up on opening day. They could, yeah. they could do that. We don't need to see anything. We're going to be there. Uh, it doesn't need to blow my head off. I'm going to be there, and it's, it's still going to blow my head off, I'm sure. Um, but it just, I just... But I, I did think it, when the when the cross guard on that lightsaber came out, well, it wasn't even that it was before that when that figure stepped forward and then sort of hunched over, then threw the lightsaber out and the lightsaber was angry. It wasn't sort of the smooth thing that we've seen. It's like this burning thing. Sorry. Are we talking about this new trailer or we're talking about the new trailer? Yeah. 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 That bad guy, whoever that guy is. Yeah. Yeah. When he sort of stumbles in the snow and you don't even see him from the front and just that, that different kind of lightsaber came out. However, went, oh, hold on. What happened? What? No, that's what I'm saying. When I saw that. Oh, oh, I, I see. Said, I'm sorry. I thought you were telling me to hold on. Well, I still need you to hold um, on. Oh, yeah. That's not what I'm saying. No, go oh, ahead. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but, if you really want to break it down, uh, I don't think that light, lightsaber makes a, a bit of sense. Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't think I don't think that handle makes makes any sense. It already does, and Stephen Colbert proved. He did. So. What did he say? Uh, he showed. He, there's a video going around. I'll post a link to it that shows how that lightsaber works. But but can you can you tell me something to cool me down here? Uh, it's because everyone's assuming that it's like a lightsaber and then two mini lightsabers. No, I just thought it was like a hilt. Right, but he's, you know, everyone's saying that, well, you know, there's two pieces of metal sticking out, and then the lightsaber pops out of that. So if anyone slides down that thing, 
you know. Right. They're going to just cut that knob off, and then you're not going to have that guard on there anyway. But doesn't it, isn't it dangerously close to his own hand? Well, all lightsabers are dangerously close to anyone's hand. I mean, yeah, but people, not as close. We, how many people's hands did we see chopped off in six minutes? Right, but now he's got the hilt, the two hilt things, and the saber itself to be worried about. See, the point of a hilt, and I hope I'm using the word correctly, is to give some balance to the to your hands, you know, in a fight or you know whatever, but also um, to to keep you, you know, a couple of inches away from the blade. Right. Having two more fiery blades coming out above your hand makes about as much sense as having two more steel blades that could cut your hand resting on your hand for the hilt. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It looks cool, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. I nothing it does look cool. nothing that Stephen Colbert could say could uh Change my mind. All right, then. Right. Um, okay, so there you go. So there's there's Star Wars Episode Seven trailer, which, spoilers, if no one's seen it yet, it's out. <laughs> yeah. If there's one listener out there that has not seen the trailer by the time this thing airs, I want you to write to us and admit it. I, want you to send us a note. I don't want to hear anything about it. Send us a note on the face. Yeah, if you're deliberately avoiding it, I understand. When can I just ask? When did that start to happen? By the way, the spoiler thing? Not the spoiler thing. I understand the spoiler thing because of the internet. Everything has changed. I understand that, but we're living in an age now, and I know a couple of these people that literally, if the trailer comes on in the theater before a movie they're going to see, they will get up and leave the theater until they're pretty sure the trailer's over. Oh, the media blackout people. The media, is that what they're called? Yeah. All right. So the media blackout people. When did this start to happen? This, this, I don't want to know anything. Uh, I suspect there's always been people like that. I mean, there's probably people that were like, oh, they're making a second Godfather. I don't want to know anything about it. First one was so good. I want to go in fresh. I don't see. I think you're wrong. Really? I don't. I think it's something. I think it's, it's. It's and you'll find that, that that a lot of these same people that are doing such things are way 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 plugged into the internet, and they won't admit it or say it. But this is their sort of saying, "This is where I draw the line with the internet. Too much, too much, too much." You know, um, I it's it's I think it's a it's because of the internet that these things of these blackouts, blackout people or whatever, are. Uh, are are doing what they're doing because they can't turn any which way without getting information that they don't want to hear. And it doesn't help that, you know, in the a lot of times in modern trailers they sort of give away everything. That's true. That's you true. Know. That and that's true too. Why is that happening? Is that a, like a yeah. is that like a fear that people aren't going to turn up because they've got so much other stuff to do? I'm, I'm sure it's got to be, you know, or, or it's just, you know, you have to spoon feed them everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here comes Sid. He's got this. Here's this. Right. And be sure to watch for this. Yeah. No, you're right. That didn't used to be. Uh, then again, you can go back and look at some stuff where they, they seem to give you the entire film. Go back and try to find, go look at the um the trailer for the black hole in 1979. <laughs> right. Yes. It's the entire film. 
It's the yeah. entire film. It takes you from the opening, the beginning, through the climax. You see – not only do you see the climax of the – I forget the woman's name in it or the, the character you know, strapped to a table about to get lasered. Not only do yeah. you see that danger, you see her get released from it by Robert Forster. He gets her off of there and they run out of the room. Like, okay, well, I know how that one's gonna gonna go, you know. Don't have to hold my breath there. <laughs> right, it's terrible. Yeah, well, it used to be too. It was just you know, it wasn't the in a world guy. It was like Star Wars. Come see space adventures of well, young farm boy and it's his robot pal. And I'm sure this is probably pretty common knowledge at this point, but um, I was talking about this with someone just the other day because of this trailer. I'm sure you remember this, uh, same, same recall that I had. 1979, Star Wars gets re-released to the movie theaters. Got to go see it, right? I mean, it's not even been on television yet. You have to That's go. Right. It, is, it, is, it is law. If you're a certain age, you have to go see this film. It's been re-released you know, to, the, to the theaters. And That's the only way you're going to see it. The only way you're going to see it. And it even said it in the newspaper ad. Stick around through the credits. There will be a trailer for The Empire Strikes Back. And you wait, because it wasn't, it wasn't, they didn't run it before the film. They ran it after the credits. Right. And, there was the, and it was, this was the same. As if we would just, just watch that and then get up and leave. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Right. All right, thanks. <laughs> exactly. It didn't make a lot of sense. I don't know why they did it, but, but um, it's hit hard. They also, this was the same re-release run where they gave us the Kenner booklets, the newest Kenner booklet with rebate coupons in it. You know, if you bought a 12-inch Boba Fett, you got like 50 cents back a rebate, 50 cents. But that first Empire Strikes Back trailer... Because, again, we weren't buying enough Exactly. Toys. That first Empire Strikes Back trailer, I, I'm not... I think there was some footage, but I know the climax, when all the characters get listed and everything else, there's stills. So you're kind of going, ooh, that's a different looking stormtrooper, and like, ooh, what's going on there? I mean, that was just like the Jedi one, where you're like going, wait, 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 who's that guy? Wait, what's that helmet? You know. But as most people probably know at this point, go back and watch that advanced teaser for Empire. The narration is by Harrison Ford, and right. it's awful. I mean, it's just <laughs> with Lando Calrissian and Luke Skywalker. It's just. Terrible. He's trying to do the movie trailer voice guy, and it's just awful. Um, but that made me made me think of that of like probably the first trailer that we all went, "That's a trailer. That's what it means." Yeah. We really should be watching more of these. Um, so on that note, there's a couple other trailers that have hit. Yes. <gasps> Wait a minute, the Terminator Gen Yes. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that's, they did a teaser and then they did a full trailer today. Oh, okay. We gotta. I gotta hang up the phone. Bye. I saw the. Ah, I can't wait. I saw the Jurassic World one. Um, okay. You know, did they do a full one or just that teaser? I only saw like a thirty twenty second thirty second teasers off. Where it's just like the pianos playing, the theme yes. song. And we're kind of looking at characters because for some reason I thought the real trailer was going to play. Thanksgiving weekend during football or something is what it says at the end. I don't know. Um, I did not know that. I do not know that. Did you see the James Bond teaser then today? I'm, I've got the information. I have not seen the what's, what's the teaser you're speaking of. What are you talking about? 
Uh, so it's it plays a little theme song, and then there's a bullet that shoots, and the bullet splintering of the glass is the Spectre Octopus. Oh, that's cool. I'm looking yeah. at a picture of it right now. Yes, yes uh, those of you who might know, Spectre was the, was the evil organization in the 60s. Uh, yeah, no, that's very exciting to me because it's it's just like the, and I know you don't know the Bond films, but the end of that last Bond film really tells everybody, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go back and give some respect to the you know the initial series and and how things were, even how they looked, even the office when he goes in to see M, you know, the office is <clears throat> is very reminiscent of the the 60s stuff. And Spectre was a big part of the 60s Bond run. They were the big, you know, evil organization. Special um, executive something for for counter something, terrorism, extortion, rape, or whatever. Okay, no, it it means something. Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism. But I don't think rape. Revenge and extortion. That's what it is. It's kind of like, you know, um, what's the other one? S.H.I.E.L.D., Shield, yeah. So the Terminator thing. Well, but wait, as long as we're on Bond, we might as well say Christoph Waltz oh, okay. officially in it as the bad guy called Oberhauser. Um, yes. um, he, but I think he's probably going to be Blofeld, which was the the bald guy with the cat in the. That is that the, has been the the prevailing the rumor. Yes. Bond films. Uh, the woman who played Money Penny is back. Ray Fiennes back as M. Um, uh, Q. You know, Ben Wishaw, who's actually playing Freddie Mercury in a, in a film. Back is Q. Rory Kinnear is back. Uh, Daniel Craig, obviously. Um, and uh, Sam Mendes, uh, back directing. The Bond women, Monica Bellucci and Lea Seydoux, who everyone knows Monica Bellucci, but Lea Seydoux, I think, is best known for um, a filthy, dirty French film she made called... Is that the name of it? It's called Blue is the Color of Our Naked Bodies or something. <clears throat> Typical French. I mean, it's filthy. It's truly filthy. There are some filthy... Have you seen this film? I cannot confirm or deny that. Uh-huh. Um, hey, listen, man. It's art, okay? Right. Uh, it's filthy French Dave art. Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy, he's in it playing a bad guy. Um, uh-huh. I think, isn't the other guy from Sherlock in it, too? Yes. The guy who played uh, Moriarty and Sherlock, who yes. actually also played Paul McCartney in a TV movie a couple years a couple second. years ago when uh, Christopher Eccleston played John Lennon. Um, yeah, he played it. He played. He did McCartney pretty well. He kind of had the, the voice and the mannerisms down. Um, I'm very very excited about this. Everyone knows how much I love the Bond films and I loved Skyfall and. Um, just the fact that it's called Spectre is really cool. That tells you a lot. So there you go. Now, on to what you were saying about what you were saying about Terminator. Yes. Terminator. So, uh, you know, it, it, it looks interesting. I will say that. Uh, I, I find it a little hard to get excited about a new Terminator yeah. film just because T3 and Salvation. <clears throat> oh, Salvation. We're... We're so unfortunate. T three had a couple of moments. I'll give it that. It's got some... no. T three was T two all over again, but with a female Terminator. Yes, it was the same film with a Twilight Zone ending. You're, that would be true. But the truck chase is pretty cool. I mean, that's a pretty good. 
That's a pretty hefty truck chase. I felt like I'd seen it. Yeah, I mean, when it was Robert Patrick. Look, I'm going to give it some sacrilege here. Uh-oh. I'm not a big fan of T2. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. really not. I love, love the first Terminator. Love it. Uh, I love Aliens. I think they're the two best things that James Cameron's ever done. Can I give my James Cameron rant for 30 seconds? Uh, is this talking about how Avatar 2 and 3 will be the best films ever written? <laughs> and make you poop yourself? Yeah, that's what he, he said, did. wasn't it? Make you poop yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's no doubt the man is talented, and he's, his films have made eight quintillion dollars, I think is a word. Yep. Uh, I don't think he's like a hack or anything. I just don't think he's all that. I, I, I really don't. I, and I thought he was with um, Terminator and, and Aliens. But if we can go back and have a look at the man's career, Piranha 2 was a job for hire, and it was – you know, the second of a, <laughs> you didn't need to see Piranha <laughs> to see Piranha right. You get the gist. Terminator, great film, no budget. I mean, it, it did the unexpected and it made Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? You can say what you want to Conan oh. or whatever else, but that made him, you know, being the, the bad guy. However, he had to cop to it within a couple of years after its initial release that he, he pilfered the idea from Harlan Ellison from an episode of The Outer Limits that Harlan Ellison wrote. He took the idea lock, stock, and barrel, and in subsequent releases in DVD, home video, and stuff, there's an acknowledgement to the works of um, Harlan Ellison. Aliens, wonderful, brilliant, frickin' movie, but it is a sequel to an existing storyline, characters, and it's still a great, great movie, so that's probably the highlight, I'd say. Uh, I really like, up until, you know, the last ten minutes or so, I really like The The Abyss. Abyss? I'm I'm with you right there. The Abyss, very, very well acted. Some great ideas, some great suspense, some revolutionary stuff being done. I don't think it's a great movie, but I do think that when you get to the last 10 minutes, it completely falls apart. And you, I, I can't yes. recommend it because of that. Then we have Terminator 2, which I think is good, but I don't think is, I don't think is great. I really don't. And there's no getting around the thumbs up at the end, falling into a vat of, of lava. And and <laughs> the literal thumbs up. Literally, and Edward Furlong is tough to take on a good day. He's he's I just it hinges on this kid, and it was clear that he'd never acted in his freaking life, you know. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, didn't they find him in an arcade? Found him in an arcade, yeah, selling yeah. Uh, cocaine. And then then you've got True Lies, which is a remake of a French film. Okay, then you've got Titanic which is one of the worst films ever made and is a story that is basically like a story of Christ almost. It's kind of like public domain. <laughs> and he wrote, he wrote that screenplay and it's awful. The dialogue is cringeworthy, awful. Well, clearly somebody liked it. Yeah, but that's, you know, if it's the highest grossing film of all time, Yeah, but it's, that's, that's no longer a defense or an excuse for anything. You know, that's like saying, you know, Hitler must have had some good ideas. Lots of people followed him around. You know, it, it's not the same. Kind of. No, so not. there's Titanic. Next up is Avatar, which I barely could get through. And <laughs> I liked nothing about it, including all the designs. And again, 
about 17 ideas pilfered from everything else. So, uh, you know, he's talented and he's done big things. They've made kajillions of dollars. But as far as like originality or, you know, uniqueness or, you know, being a snowflake or whatever, it's, it's not there. The whole thing falls apart. Everything he's done has been, you know, resting on someone else's shoulders or outright stealing someone else's idea, you know, or, or just making a remake. So there's my rant about James Cameron. And it's well now, isn't, isn't, cha, cha, cha. isn't Matt Smith in the Terminator Genesis? He is. Which he is nowhere in that if, trailer. Did you see the pictures that were in Entertainment Weekly a few weeks back? Yes. <laughs> Somebody clearly said, okay, I need a shot of each of you firing a weapon and, and looking like you have lockjaw. Like going, ah, and screaming while you're holding the weapon. They all look ridiculous, but Matt Smith, I looked at that picture and I thought, that could ruin this man's career. That (laughs) could be the equivalent of Burt Reynolds posing in in Cosmopolitan, you know, on a a rug, a bare rug. (laughs) That is a terrible photograph. That is a terrible, terrible picture. Well, he is nowhere to be seen in that trailer, which I was quite surprised Maybe. by. I would think you would want to put him front and center. Could be because of that damn photograph. Could be. Um, let's, can we talk about The Walking Dead? Uh, well, let's just uh, – there are two more yes. movie things we should just touch yes, on quickly. Yes. Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange about, officially today. About time. And uh, then the Suicide Squad casting. Yeah, do we – this whole thing I just felt was an April Fool's joke. <laughs> for a while, because it just it all happened so fast. Yeah, and you know they're clearly trying to to keep up with with Marvel. Right. <clears throat> I know little to nothing about this Suicide Squad thing, um, but you want to run down the roster of characters and actors. Uh, I don't actually have but it right in front of me big, right now, big, but we the know two big gets are Jared two Leto. big guys. Jared yes. Leto is yes. the Joker. And then yes. Will Smith, is he Captain Boomerang or something? What? He's Deadshot. Deadshot, that's it, Deadshot. Yeah. Uh, those are the two big gets. Then you got the woman from The Wolf of Wall Street being Harley Quinn. So it's kind of cool. We're going to get a live-action Harley Quinn, which we've never gotten, right? We have ne- Well, yeah, that's right. Um, and then... Or did she... Wait a second. Did she show up in Birds of Prey? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember now. She was a she was a Easter egg voice in Arrow okay. last season, I think. But but it's weird, yeah. Uh, unless unless we see Joker and Harley in Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. it seems strange to introduce them here because really Joker's not in the Suicide Squad. Well, isn't you know? there a strong rumor that um, Leslie Nielsen? <laughs> Jerry Eisenberg? Jerry, no, no. What's he called? The Lex Luthor Jesse guy? Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, yes. That he's going to be... There is a rumor in, that he would also be in it, yeah. Right? But it just seems weird that that's, this will be our Joker-establishing movie for the DC Cinematic Universe. Plus, I think he's playing Zuckerberg again in Suicide Squad, not Luthor. Because his characters are so different. Yeah. Um, and he's like you said, <clears throat> he's such a chameleon. That's the, Just like Will could Smith. Be the funniest thing you've said 
in the entire 117 episodes. You're like, because <laughs> they got that chameleon <laughs> for that part. Yeah. Very funny. Um, okay, so Suicide Squad. So that's happening. We're, we're, yep. Okay, we, Janet, Terminator, Jurassic World teasers, Star Wars teasers, Suicide Movie, Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, all for it. Couldn't be happier. Uh, yes. And boy, speaking of all of that together, didn't Andy Serkis' voice sound like Benedict Cumberbatch in that trailer? Uh, it did. I, I had just heard him on a podcast not too long before, so I recognized that, and I knew he was actually cast in the film. I knew he was in the film, but... The- First time I heard it, it went, oh, my gosh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, totally threw me. Totally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. The Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Can we, Walking Dead. We can't get too no, spoilery, can, I think, right? It is, it is done until February or March, right? Uh, it'll be back in February. February. Okay. So, um, are you, But we can't be more spoilery than AMC's official Walking Dead Facebook page. Why would they do? They posted the an image of the end of that episode two hours before it aired on the West Coast. No. With a R.I.P. the characters. Name. You're joking. I am not joking. That's terrible. Yeah. And what? they spoiled it for me and a lot of other people. And they had to issue an apology wow. this week. See, this is why I stay away from the Internet. Because people started unfriending that page in droves wow. and making... Dozens of memes, you know, saying here AMC, look at the flowers and stuff like that. Let me know. ask you something. Okay. And I'm trying not to get spoilery here, but this is this is a this is an interesting conundrum that I think is very unique to Walking Dead. Um, and I wonder what it all is going to mean. What I'm saying is, <clears throat> there are a couple of characters, one in particular, on that show that are fan favorites in a huge freaking way that you wouldn't have necessarily thought when that show kicked off, we'd be talking about it today, that they would be a fan favorite specifically. Right. It also has this unique position as a show that every week you're watching it and they say it themselves. And I I truly believe this. I mean, I, I truly think these actors don't know for the most part when they're going to work, what might happen in a, in a, in a read-through or something. Right. So you've got this fan favorite character, and you're watching the show, there, and, and, and have you noticed that lately they've been, they've been specifically putting that character in very precarious spots for 30 seconds, 10 seconds here and there, and knowing full well the audience is sitting back sweating bullets Wondering, going, is this going to be the thing? Is this what's going to happen? Yes. They keep, yeah. They've been doing it a lot more lately. Um, but I wonder, because you, you watch it and you do think, you know, something monumental could happen this week. I wonder where they draw the line between what's logical for the characters, because they seem to kind of do I, I don't think they do the death stuff just willy-nilly. I think they really think about it, and they don't do it just for shock value. <clears throat> Well, you know, if it's a finale or a mid-season finale, someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. But this particular character, I sit back and watch it and do wonder, you know, how long they're going to keep this going, A, and then B, if they did, if they said it was logical or just felt right, whatever it might be, I really think there would be a mega backlash for the for the fan base, 
I mean, I think I know who I'm you're talking sure about. I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about. And it's Daryl, right? Well, I was trying to avoid a spoiler. Well, I just I want to say I, I I sort of have to say it because <clears throat> exactly what you're talking about. There is official licensed merchandise like T-shirts right. sold in Hot Topic that say, "If Daryl dies, we riot." <laughs> really? Yes. That's funny. It started as a meme, but now it's official, official merchandise. Official licensed stuff. Yes. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. So I think they are very aware. <laughs> so you think, but you think that that, having said that, then you think that they're not only aware, they're conscious of it and they're careful, knowing that it could cost a lot of viewers. Yes. You know, pissing people off, but, you know, shows do it all the time. But to actually, you know, lose 2 million viewers or something, I'm not saying that that would happen, but I'm just saying. Do you think that they think about that and go, eh, maybe not? Uh, I absolutely season. do, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I certainly don't think his storyline is done by any stretch. We've seen him grow, you know, sort of more than most. I think he's changed more than any other character, including the wife. I mean, including, um, you know, Carol or whatever. Who right. Went from a battered wife to, um, I mean, she was, but even that, she was a survivor, whether you agree with yeah. Whatever she was doing or not, she was clearly a survivor and a fighter, and she clearly was always looking out for her daughter. So I don't yeah. think, as much as she's changed, I don't think that's anything compared to the redneck racism that that <laughs> Daryl exhibited. You remember that wasn't too long ago that he yeah. was like, well, he was a broken little puppy too, yeah. you know, living in his brother's shadow, and his dad was awful yeah. to him, and you know, yeah, yeah. So uh, and even like in the comic book. The only sort of constants, like the only people that seem to, you know, and I don't want to say off limits, have been Rick and Carl, but awful, awful things have happened to them. To, to them? Uh, in the mean, yep, yeah, to both oh, of them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That Kirkman, I think he's a sick puppy. <laughs> I think he's a sick man. Don't you think? It's a troubled world that he has. I think he's a sick to. man. I think, I think he does terrible things to animals at night. I don't. Yes, think I do. That. I'm saying it now on the yeah. internet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good, but I have to say, much as I enjoy the show, it's not a show that I would ever own on DVD, and I don't think it's a show that I would ever revisit. And that's that's not taking hmm. anything away from how beautifully it's done, how well it's acted. Everything. It's just it is it is one of the darkest TV series in history, and I watch it because I enjoy the acting and I, I you know enjoy some. Of it. I don't enjoy the zombies anymore. I don't enjoy the zombie killings. I don't enjoy the gore. Uh, I'm curious about what happens to, to characters and some of the mystery, but you know there's not enough of a mystery about the the sickness or about where it's going. And there certainly doesn't seem to be a yellow brick road anywhere. Um, so I wonder sometimes why I keep watching it because, you know, so do you feel that way about when you were watching breaking bad? Like you would, you uh, wouldn't I'm own the wrong that guy to ask. I didn't really watch breaking bad. Oh, I okay. saw, you know, I saw a few episodes, but I didn't, um, I, I didn't, I was not, I didn't watch it. I don't know that show. Oh, okay. But I could probably say oh, okay. that if I started to get into it, that 
would still have, even though, even based on just what I know about it currently, that would have more of an end game than Walking Dead. Walking Dead is, it's just, it's just peeking in on a handful of folks surviving week in and week out. There's nowhere, right. there's not even a, there was a terminus. I mean, that was brilliant television. As disgusting and gory as it was, that was some brilliant television. Just that whole, yeah. that, could, that could very well be the single most edge of your seat moment, I think, for, just for me, in watching that show. Were was the trough, the the trough scene. Yeah, I, I know. I with, know where you were going. Their, their 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 mouths gagged. What's about to happen? Yeah. Seconds away from about to to happen, which made the revolt that much more satisfying. And the church scene, because it really ends up getting capped with the church scene. Oh, and then right. the just before the church scene, who was the guy that was sick? Uh, the the uh, Bob, that whole thing could be yeah. top three most shocking moments in the entire in the entire series when they when the reveal of what the what they're doing around the campfire. Holy shit! I mean, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. When it does things like that, I mean, it really is groundbreaking television. Great, great stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, that that storyline kind of happened. Not it. It wasn't terminus, <laughs> but. Uh, that the idea of those people happened in the comics and uh, the character that was taken in and, and uh, made, uh, you know, whatever was, was Dale. Dale, which one's Dale? Dale was the old man with the RV. The old man with the RV. From season one. Oh, Dale with the fisherman's cap. Yeah. That was played by what's his face. He was that at Shawshank. Correct. What's his? Yeah. So that that's who it happened to. Oh, in okay. Series. Okay. Interesting. All right. So there's Walking yeah. Dead. So now I can mention some films that I've seen recently that I'd like to recommend to the audience because they they tend to be sort of interested in such things. But they're they're they're. Did I mention a film last time called Housebound? I did. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll mention it again. If anybody hasn't hasn't seen it yet, run to Vudu or whatever, Netflix uh, DVD rental. I don't think it's instant. And watch it. A film from New Zealand called Housebound. Wonderful movie. Um, But a couple other films that we just sort of happened uh, across and um, really walked away from, really enjoying it. Just just different and not perfect by any means, but, you know, if you're looking for 90 minutes to, to waste... One is called The Colony, and it's Lawrence Fishburne and Bill Paxton. Have you heard of this at all? Uh, I I remember, yeah. Uh, It's the future. Something terrible has happened where the whole planet has turned to snow, and um, this colony of survivors is underground. They get a distress call from another colony that they're sort of um, obligated to go check out, and crazy shit happens. Um. It's post, sort of post-apocalyptic kind of sci-fi action suspense. That's all. I'll say. Okay. The other one, super duper weird. Uh, just, just, just didn't know where this was going, and I'm still not sure how I feel about it. But it's worth 
seeing because it reminded me of um, one of those, you know, a film like uh, uh, District 9, which I think is a wonderful right. movie, but not something that I want to watch every year because it's so freaking heavy. I cannot get through that movie. But you saw and you went, who is this guy? I'll, I'll see what he does next. And it's a movie called The Signal, again, with Lawrence Fishburne. is basically the, 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 one of the main leads. Do you only watch Lawrence only Fishburne, Fishburne films? And the next one is another Fishburne film, Mission Impossible 3. Um, uh, called, it's called The Signal. Uh, three youngsters, uh, uh, and it's British. I think it's one guy is a British kid who's getting lots of work. And another boy and a girl that this British kid's kind of dating or dating, and he's he's on crutches. He's got bad legs. He's, I don't know if he's got like MS or what's going on. And they're like hackers or something, and they've been they've been talking to this guy on the internet somehow. And he says, "Come meet me." I don't know what they're trying to hack into a school or I don't know what. And they're going to meet this guy out in a kind of remote area near the in the desert or something. And then. The screen kind of goes black, and it just gets really strange from there. And that's all I'll say. If you're curious, if you see the trailer for these things and you're curious about them, take a take a look, and you know you'll at least have something to talk about. Because you you may not love them, but you'll be like, that was uh, really interesting. I'd like to see what this uh, director does next. The other one is a, a U.S. remake of a Spanish film. I had read about the Spanish film, never saw the original. Then I read a little bit about the remake, which said, as good as the original, and I thought, I'll just jump right into the, the remake. It's called We Are What We Are. If you this one, maybe, okay. at all. It's to do with a family of cannibals. That's the, that's the pitch. I mean, you, you, you know oh, yeah, it yeah. in the trailer. It's, 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 they, they, yeah, they sent us, uh, they sent me a bunch of press release stuff, and I watched the trailer. Okay. It's really good. Really okay. disturbing uh, and really good. And the guy that plays the father, I've never seen this guy before, but he's terrific in it. Th those are three I thought that would be kind of under the radar for people if they're curious. The other one that I think I saw since we talked last was um, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Did you see that? Uh, I did not see that, yeah. Couldn't even tell you what it was about. Just, okay. You know. The first one I liked, but I truly loved the the, the bits with, with Mickey Rourke. I, I, everyone okay. always talks okay. about the wrestler being his big comeback or resurrection. I think Sin City was because he was just per, it was perfect casting for him to play Marv. Um, Did you hear he just fought a like a twenty six year old and won? No, he's boxing yeah, again. He's like sixty three. Yeah, what? It was it was just last week. Why is he doing this? I don't know. He, but they had there was a picture of him. and He's ripped. You know he's like sixty. He's sixty three. I think sixty three. I believe so. I think oh, that's what the article said. Wait a second. Said. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm looking at something that says boxing match organizer admits it was quote a show after age what after aging star beat twenty nine year old. Promoter Andre Rabinsky said the bout was obviously a show. He said Rourke and his manager handpicked the opponent. He denied the opponent had been paid to fall down in the second round. Um, but he says it was a, like a stunt. 
the, the, they keep putting the word fight in quotes. The fight, which has been ridiculed around the world, saw the 62-year-old beat uh, Elliot Seymour, a 29-year-old homeless boxer from Los Angeles. But while he confessed he was not expecting a super outstanding match, the man behind the bout denied that Seymour had thrown the fight. Also think Mickey's done something else to his face again. He seems to Well... What? He, he's a he's looked like a mess for a while. Yeah, he absolutely, but I think he's done something. There's a couple of pictures. If you go to the Daily Mail website, there's a couple of pictures of him in the on in the ring. One of them, he's wearing a cowboy hat. You know, as you do just after a, a boxing match, you put on your your cowboy hat. He's got a completely new nose. It's 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 wider. It's flatter. It's a completely new nose. I have to admit, it's, it's, he still looks like he's had loads of shit done to himself, but he actually looks a little better than he has in the past couple of years, which I know isn't saying much. But um, so that I hate to burst your bubble, but it might it might have been a fix. Wow! I want my money back. I you put have, money down. Did you have on money that on guy. that fight? No, no, not at all. I just read all I read was the headline that he was going to fight a, another guy, and then I heard someone mention that he won. So I don't know what what he's doing or why he would do such things. You know the theory about him that um, okay, I'm looking at him in the at the weigh-in. Good lord, what's he done to himself? He looks he looks on he looks something looks like wrong with him. You have to go to the Daily Mail site and look at these these pictures. But, you know, he was. Right. I always thought he was the next De Niro. I mean, I, I I would follow this guy. Every movie that came out, the string of stuff he did in the early '80s, I just think he was just brilliant. Um, but there was always this rumor of the reason that all this stuff happened. He went back to boxing and did stuff to his face. Was you know, first of all, I think he was kind of abused, uh, smacked around by his dad when he was a kid. But that, but that, as much as he loved the profession of uh, acting, it was never quote a very manly, you know, slash masculine profession, and that um, a lot of the the abuse he took on his face and did to his face was almost like self, um, you know, abuse because he was too pretty or he was too he wasn't man enough or like masculine enough or something weird like that. Um, and, uh, and he kind of, you know, deliberately messed up his, his face. Boy, is that his real hair? Oh, you, you, That's gotta be a toupee. There? There. I think it might be his real hair. I Come think on. it might, I think it might be, cause I don't think he's ever had a problem with hair. Uh, I have a problem, I have a problem with, that, with hair. that hair too, but scroll down to the, to the weigh-in. All right. And I can pretty much, I can There's promise you that's the first time I've ever uttered that sentence. There's some other Scroll guy. down to the weigh-in. There's two other guys. There's a video. Is this him in his little shorty yes. shorts? He looks, okay. first off, very, very thin. He's he's ripped, no doubt. But Yeah, there's not an ounce of muscle on him, or an ounce of fat really on him. He looks really thin. And doesn't his does. face look different again? It looks a little bit like uh, a lesbian. I was going to say that. that. Would, he looks kind of like a lesbian. God, I hope he's not listening because he'll kick our ass. <laughs> he would. And and dance about in our graves, singing hallelujah. Uh, really wrinkly knees. Wrinkly knees. Well, he's 62, and he's been through a lot, this guy. That's true. That's true. Um, he's still got it, though, here and there. 
He still got it. Um, what else we got? Um, Walking Dead. We did that. We did that. Are you watching Can Homeland this, this music? Um, did you watch? Did are you I'm watching? Not Homeland? watching Homeland. Holy cats! It was one of those things. Like after last season, I was like, "Meh, you know, it was great, but something yeah. happened and a thing turned." And so we had kind of been just letting them stack mm-hmm. up uh, this new season, and they did. A, you know, we watched like four in a row. And we're like, "Okay, well, let's see where this is going." And then they did this one, like, you know, we're going to do one, and then we're not going to be around for a week because of Thanksgiving. And that one was just like, "Holy crap! Holy really? cats!" Yeah. It was like we're just gonna we're not gonna cook Thanksgiving we're not gonna do it we're just gonna sit here and wait for the you next what, episode. Uh, you know what? I got I got um, a couple problems with Homeland. You want to know what they are? Okay. Uh, Claire Danes. Claire crying. Danes. She's got the bug eyes. Yeah, she of, does. Kind of annoys me. And she, you know her character being having emotional yeah instability. Yeah. Uh, and then there's there's two other one other thing that bothers me two words. I'll give them to you. You need to put them in the correct order, and maybe you'll you'll know where I'm going with this. That uh, another annoyance, okay? The two okay. words are Patinkin and Mandy. Come on, <laughs> come on. What what's wrong I, with I don't, you? I don't like worrying that he's going to break out into song any moment. He has never broken out into song. Well, on he that did show. on Chicago Hope. Any chance okay. he could, he'd start doing If I Was a Rich Man. Did you watch a lot of Chicago Every Hope? Episode? No, wow. I didn't. Just the ones that he sang in. Okay. No, he's a, he's a fantastic he's actor. He's okay. He's an American he's an treasure. Okay no, no, he's very he was an American treasure. Orville Redmond. Orville Redmond. <laughs> he's dead. He can't well, do anything. he's even more of a treasure. He's a buried treasure now. Hey, Uncle Week, Dude. check it out. Um, can we talk about some music? Because I think one no. thing we can jump on right away that I know I'm, I'm pretty sure, pretty safe, even though <laughs> our musical taste can be very different. Sometimes we, we have a lot of similarities as well. Foo Fighters. Did you get the new Foo Fighters record? I did. Yes. I can't. It was on sale over I can't stop playing it. Uh, yeah. I think it's one of the best things he's ever done. And I love the series. Really, really loving the series. Um, did you see the know. LA episode? Three up. Ep- I haven't watched the LA. That's the one. That's the next one. That's the first one I've been disappointed in, and I'm not going to get specific. But considering that, you know, they 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 have uh, what's his face, um, Rodney Bingenheimer's in it. Yeah, I know. No, but, um, he's he's an American. The guy fighter. from the Germ. All right. Yeah, Rodney on the Rock. Yeah, it's, it's, me. it's a picture of me and Elvis back in 72 when I had the oh, Rodney right. Bingenheimer's disco tech, British disco. Um, Blue Oyster Blue Cult. Oyster, I love that. I introduced David Bowie, you know, to the whole country, and look where that got me. Um, no, no. <laughs> no, the guy was in the germs. Pat Smear. Okay. He's, he's an L.A. Him. native. And he right. sort of takes the reins in the in the LA episode, and I thought they touch on some stuff, but Los Angeles is so, there's so, you could you could do like six episodes just on the Los Angeles music scene over the past you know fifty years, not just the late '60s when teenagers were 
you know, trolling up and down Sunset Boulevard and, you know, the doors and stuff like that. There's loads of stuff that's going on out here. Um, and they, they just kind of scratched the surface. So that, that kind of disappointed me. They gave a lot more attention to different episodes, you know, other cities and other episodes and not much to right. L.A. So that kind of that kind of bummed me up. It's still a great show. And my respect for the guy just keeps growing. And he just that has that moniker of, you know, nicest guy in rock and roll. Everyone seems to agree that he's just this sweetheart of a guy. And clearly a connoisseur, like clearly loves yeah. music in any yes. shape and form that it that it takes. Like, did you see how excited he was getting? Did you see the one about, you know, Austin City Limits? And just yeah, how yeah. excited he was to be on that stage? And, yeah. you know, like, that's that's cool to see, I think. Uh, well, it's funny because I don't feel like his bandmates know as much about music. Like when they were at the Grand Old Opry, like looking at the walls, they were like, don't know who that is. Don't know who well, that is. Well, it's funny because no, I... the, um, they were on the cover of Q, the British music magazine, um, a couple weeks ago. And Taylor Hawkins, it's funny you said that because he, he, in the interview with the band, he says, you know, look, I, I love the idea when Dave first started talking about it, but I was very honest with him. I don't like being on camera. I don't like reality stuff. I don't really like being interviewed. And I really don't like being followed around with a camera. I just want to play music. That's, that's all I you know, give a shit about. But he said, but also, you know, I like different stuff, but there's, he's like, I'm not that guy like, like Dave. Like, I, there's loads of stuff I just don't care. And he's like, and he's like you know, case in point, the blues. You know, it's like, I mean, he's, he's admitting that the whole Chicago thing. He's just like, you know, you know, if it sounds okay, I'll, you know, I'll listen to it. But like, I don't have any blues records. I don't care, you know? And I'm not yeah. sure he really cares about country. But like, did you see how excited he got with Joe Walsh? Like he yeah, was yeah. just climbing up the walls with Joe Walsh yeah. doing a little guitar solo, you know? Um, so yeah, so it, it's a mixed bag in that band. They don't seem to have quite the passion for the past that the Grohl does. Yeah. But man, I just love music. I, I, I have to I have to interrupt just a moment and go backwards in the episode because I just saw what might be one of the best tweets ever. <laughs> All right, hit me. So you were just talking about those Entertainment Weekly pictures of the the uh, Terminator characters with their mouths open, shooting screaming guns, and shooting. screaming and shooting with really intense looks mm-hmm. on their face. And uh, the tweet is actually from comic book artist Rob Liefeld of uh, one of the Image Let me founders. Get this Rob yes. Liefeld is going to make fun of someone else's visuals. Okay. Yes. So he's got a, you know, he's got four of the images of those people, you know, screaming and shooting, and it says, "I feel like I drew this." <laughs> uh, That's funny. Him. That's funny good stuff. Good for him yeah. for embracing his lunacy. That's good. Yes. I like that. Um, real quick, so, I won't go into heavy detail. I also picked up. Uh, Paul McCartney has been doing the reissue program for a couple of years now with all his solo stuff. And um, two of the Wings albums, Venus and Mars and Wings at the Speed of Sound, both got reissued in different formats. Of course, I got the big, giant, super-duper deluxe with a booklet and DVD and all that crap stuff. Yep, we Those are fun. That. We did talk about that? Yeah, we oh, talked about that. Oh, you know why? Those. I'm sorry. I'm... I'm 
we talked about because by the time we did that last one, I had picked up Venus and Mars. I now oh, yeah. have in my hand, not right now, but I have um, at the speed of sound. It was on pre-order, and I, I showed up. So sorry about that. Also, did I talk about the Art of McCartney tribute disc, the double disc set? You didn't, but I know about it's, it already. It's, you would actually dig this, I think, because I know that you are, um, you know, you've got eight billion songs, you know, on, on um, you know, you Cover songs. And you enjoy, enjoy the, the covers. covers. You enjoy the cover songs. Yes. You enjoyed that cover show that was that was done um, for Coverville. 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 That's actually how I exactly. know about it. You this. gave me a, a DVD. Uh, it, I, it, it never, I could never get it to work. I never wanted to tell you that to break because you kept putting it in a CD player. I did though. Well, I'll try it again. Um, just to give you a little smattering. Uh, Maybe I'm amazed and Live and Let Die by Billy Joel. Uh, Let It Be, Chrissy Hind. Things We Said Today, Bob Dylan. It's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard Dylan do a Beatle cover. Uh, Band on the right. Run by Hart. Uh, Jess by Cheap Trick. Uh, we got, I'll just give you some names instead of the actual songs. We've got Kiss, we've got Jeff Lynne, we've got Barry Gibb. We've got Paul Rogers, Roger Daltrey. Here's a fun bit of trivia. Paul McCartney wrote Helter Skelter for the White Album. Um, his whole point and purpose of it was he had heard The Who in a press conference or something talking about, can't explain, I forget what the song was or if they were talking specifically about having this new super duper mega amp that they would use in their new concerts because they wanted to get, they wanted to be like the loudest band on vinyl or live or whatever it was to make the, the, the racket. And McCartney heard that statement and he thought, I'll show you guys. And so he just wanted to make the loudest, dirtiest, filthiest, most raucous, you know, rock and roll tune uh, possible in 1968, which was Helter Skelter for the White Album. So all these years later, Roger Daltrey, lead singer of The Who, covers Helter Skelter the song that was basically inspired by The Who. He was inspired to write by The Who. I thought that was kind of fun. B.B. King is on this, Sammy Hagar, Robert Smith. Actually, Robert Smith does two covers. Again, The Cure and Paul McCartney, I just never would have thought would have been on the same bus. Um, Smokey Robinson. Smokey Robinson covers a song called So Bad that McCartney wrote in the late 70s which when you hear the McCartney version, you'd swear it was Michael Jackson because he does this falsetto. And again, it was McCartney saying, I can write just about anything. Here's my version of like a Jackson 5 song or something. To get Smokey Robinson to, to cover it, genius. Because Smokey Robinson at like 75 has still got the most incredible voice. Um, just loads of people, Dr. John, Dion. It's, a, it's really worth picking up. I think you would dig it, whether you have McCartney stuff. And, 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 it, and it covers McCartney, you know, Beatles McCartney and solo McCartney as, as well. And there's some really eclectic uh, covers. And um, yeah, So on, uh, on Coverville, the, the every single year on Thanksgiving, he does a double-sized episode that is all Beatles. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's his annual tradition. He's been doing it for for years because it's you know it's sort of like there's so many Beatles cover that come out every right. year uh, that you know he's sort of like well you know we'll, he, he sprinkles them in but then he's like this is going to be all of them right. so 
this year because it was the 50th anniversary of Beatles for mm-hmm. Sale. The first half of it is a track-by-track cover of that whole oh, album. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and then he starts doing some other ones, and he did the Bob Dylan uh, one from Art of McCartney. It's, it's, that's it's cool. Just hearing Dylan do a yeah. Beatles cover is, is cool. Everyone knows the history of Dylan and the, and the Beatles, but to hear him do it today, uh, you know, it's, it's that it's the Dylan voice of today <laughs> doing a Beatles uh, cover. It's 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 fun. That's cool. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look that up. That's pretty cool. Uh, I also picked up the new Neil Diamond. Everybody can just shut up. Neil Diamond is a legend. And uh, I'm a big fan of his late 60s, early 70s stuff. And the and I'm a fan of what he's been doing lately. The stuff he did with Rick Rubin, yep. you know, 12 songs and the follow-up. And, um, and it's good. It's a Neil Diamond album. It is not going to set the world on fire. And you don't have to turn it up loud. It's Neil Diamond. <laughs> but enjoy it. Uh, the new Robert Plant I picked up as well, um, which I'm just getting into. But it's Robert Plant and the spectacular shape. Shifters, I think it's called, or something. Terrific, terrific album, if you're a Zeppelin fan at all. Very, very cool. Um, let's talk toys for a couple seconds, and we're going to have to wrap this up very soon. I picked up okay. something weird that um, I've just seen, I think, a smattering of on Facebook, one of the toy groups or something. Do you know about these Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer little action figures? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The ones where you mail away to get yeah. the other guy? Okay. Yeah. They're like two and a half inches tall. Okay? It's uh, yep. Hermie, the Nanal Dantia, Hermie, um, Yukon Cornelius, Santa, and Rudolph. They're six ninety nine each. Rudolph's uh, nose lights up when you press his antlers. They all talk. Not only do they talk, there's a snippet, like 30 seconds of a song in each of these little figures, which okay. is just fun. I, I I couldn't I couldn't walk away from them. I found where where Seven Eleven. Oh, interesting. And, okay. and 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 not at every Seven Eleven. Just this one particular Seven right. Eleven. They're on the counter and they're gone now. But the the great thing is they're six ninety nine each. They 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 do more for six ninety nine, <laughs> and their sculpts are fantastic. Um. And each one comes with a little card, which is one piece of a puzzle you put together to make a picture of the Bumble, the Abominable Bumble Snowman in, in Rudolph. And there's little codes on each of them. When you go on to the website, punch all the right information in, and pay four bucks for postage, you get the fifth figure, which is the Bumble, free, comes in the mail. And when you press nice. him down, he roars and his eyes light up. Did you get him he's already? He's not here yet, but he's on his way. Okay. They're just fun little figures, and I love Hermie. I think Hermie is the first – Hermie and, and Charlie in the Box, I, I believe, are the first uh, gay characters in animation. I can't prove that, but I think, I think it's true. Right. The, the sound chips are great. The little songs are, are great. Um, you know, I love the Rudolph show, but also because it's so abusive. It's just it's they're so awful to him. I, I find it <laughs> ironic that we this is a beloved special. They are they are abusive and awful to this poor reindeer throughout the entire show. They kick him out of the community essentially. I mean, he goes That's right. They shun- shunned. He kind of goes on his own, but they're awful to him. And why? Because he has because he has a hump. 
because he because he stole candy from the groceries? No, because his nose lights up. It's a deformity as far as they're concerned, and they're awful to him. And then they call. Then they gotta then eat. They call, exactly, they gotta eat it. They call him back when they freaking need him because he can That's light right. their way. It's awful. So I also know that those figures uh, were being sold at Menards, which we don't have no, out here don't. on the West Coast. Is that what you've heard so far? Is Seven Eleven and Menards? I, I hadn't even heard Seven Eleven. I had only heard Menards, but I figured they would be somewhere else. Well, who the else hell too. made them? I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you if there's any information. On the there's box. no – well, there's like a you know generic kind of company name, but it's not like a you know playing man – you know, it's not like a name that jumps out at you or anything. So I don't right. know who they are, but they're really huh. nice. And you kind of go, well, if they're going to keep doing this, I'd love it if they did other specials. or I'd love this if they're listening. I'd love this, these little guys, for Mad Monster Party. I'd love them to do all oh, the Rankin Bass, but if they could do this for Mad Monster Party – I would be happy. Oh, and by the way, in addition to talking feature and a little bit of a song in each of them and beautiful little sculpts and, you know, $6 price point, there's posability. Not anything spectacular, but Rudolph's four legs move, his head moves, Hermes' arms move, Yukon's arms move, Santa's arms move. You know, they're they're nice little figures. And I love when little things like that pop up and they kind of come out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, and the other thing I found was the Hawkman figure from the DC figures. What are they called? Are you talking about the the Target ones, or are you talk the Justice League, or are you talking about Total, Total Heroes? Heroes? Okay, there yeah. is a Hawkman and Steel are Hawkman the new ones. That are I passed out. up on Steel, but I grabbed Hawkman because I think it's fun, uh, and I still don't have the. Uh, uh, Manta, Black Manta, which I think is was that Maddie only or something? Yeah, I yeah. Don't Black Manta, Batman Beyond. Uh, oh yeah, Batman Beyond. Green, the Green Lantern, and they just just last month released the uh, Firestorm, which is great. He's maybe my favorite I haven't, one. In the I line. don't have any of those, and I really want the Batman Beyond. He's great too. He was he was my favorite up until yeah, Firestorm. If anyone's came listening out. and they want. To get me something for Christmas, not a bad idea. My size is oh. my size is Batman Beyond. So speaking of yeah. Christmas, this was kind of nice. I was this you know, a little bit of a story just leading up to it. I was driving to work the other day, and a commercial came on for Home yeah. Depot, and they were advertising 3D printers, like great gift for the holidays. Come get your 3D printers at Home Depot. Right. I'm like, well, that's crazy enough. You know, that already feels like, you know, we should be having jetpacks and living in the future. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm just going to look up and see how much they are. And so I looked that up. And then on the little sidebar of like, hey, here's other things you might mm-hmm. like uh, here on HomeDepot.com. You know, there's those uh, the sort of Christmas decorations that go out in your front yard that are like a wire structure and then like colored tinsel with lights inside. So you're saying, like you know, there's like reindeer black, and Hello Kitty like a and black stuff. Black wire reindeer that's got it's just black. It's not. It's not. There's no features on it or anything. Well, there's different ones because like they've got an R2D2 and a C3PO oh. this year that I saw at Home Depot. Yeah, so Yoda, and they're actually oh, colored, okay. so they they lit up. Uh, but they had a TARDIS, a Doctor Who what? TARDIS. It's 28 inches tall, which is a little disappointing. If it was half scale or larger, 
it would be in my yard right now. <laughs> but again, we have talked about this at least a dozen times in our 117 sure. episodes. If our eight, nine, ten, twelve-year-old selves, would you ever imagine That's, that Home it's Depot? It's so funny that you say this because I was just having this revelation. I was with my friend Micah who's uh, coming up on a year anniversary of being in L.A. Um, we were at Barnes & Noble, and we were upstairs in the, where the toys are, you know, and, and, and um, you know, coffee or whatever. Yeah. And there's like a table, you know, I guess the equivalent of like an end cap at Barnes & Noble, but, but, but not, not on one of the rows where the, you know, the books are stacked, just off on its own. There's a whole big giant freaking table filled with Doctor Who stuff. And at my Barnes and Noble, there's two. There's an end cap, and then there's a and, three way not, filled with toys. Ju- I love Doctor Who three ways, and not and not just not just books, T-shirts, action figures, Tardis, you know, Doctor Who Tardis Yahtzee, mugs, mugs, you name it. And we stood there, and 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 Micah, you know, we 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 became friends many years. We weren't friends as kids in the Twin Cities, but as we got older, and he was a Doctor Who guy as, as well, and Doctor Who kid. So. All my Doctor Who memories are very much in line with his. When conventions came to town, where we would look for the magazine, when it aired on Channel 2 and stuff like that. And, you know, trying to get a Doctor Who magazine, like Doctor Who Monthly, or a paperback, was almost like being 11, reaching for a hustler on the top row. (laughs) Like it was, you couldn't find it anywhere. You could get the Marvel comic. The Marvel well, they only did the four issues. Remember that? It was it was the Marvel showcase thing. They had an oh, ongoing I'm series. Yeah, I'm, I'm going like, back further than that. I'm going back to like okay. 80, 81, 79, 80. Oh, they introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did reprints from the monthly magazine in, in the UK that did color because it was right. never in the color in the UK. Color reprints, and I think it was, it's, I think it's called Marvel Showcase where they would introduce a character, you know, and show you the first. Yeah. And, but you're right. But, but, but then, then in the mid-80s, they started doing reprints of all the stuff in color with, with new covers as, as a monthly yeah. ongoing. Was it Marvel that did that too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah, you could find that. You could find eventually, because the initial range of Doctor Who paperbacks were done by a company in, the, in America called Pinnacle. They only did 10. Before the Target ones, the company was called Target, all the paperbacks. Before those eventually hit in mainstream stores like B. Dalton and Walden Books and stuff like that, there was a company called Pinnacle that released only 10 paperbacks, uh, Doctor Who uh, stories, a couple of Pertwee's, and the rest were all Tom Baker's. The covers were completely different than the artwork in the UK. The logo was completely different. And each one had the same introduction reprinted in it by our old pal, Harlan Ellison. And in, and in typical Harlan Ellison fashion, he trashes anything else that's popular or mainstream in this introduction and says to the world, because he, he replays what he said at a convention. This is 1979, remember. At a convention, he gets into whatever auditorium it was and trashes all the kids dressed like Luke Skywalker and Captain Kirk or whatever and tells them that they're all crazy for liking the likes of Star Wars and Star Trek and that they're, they're, they're drivel. The one true thing 
right now is Doctor Who. Who, you say? You don't know who I'm talking about, do you? Doctor Who, that's who. And then he lectures about how great the characters are. That's all you could find. That was it. So standing in Barnes & Noble, and it just, it just it almost brings a tear to the eye. Like, I can't believe... It's almost like we're like these old guys going, you kids, you don't know how good you have it, how, how right. difficult it was to find anything back then regarding this show. And now it's... And it's just so beloved as well. Like, it's... It's so odd that 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 the world sort of you know took to it the way it has, you know. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think, besides it coming back and being flashy, and it it it, isn't, it it's it could not have come back as the show that it was. It had to come back in a big budget mainstream way. But the principles of the character, the gist, the TARDIS, none of that's changed. Why do you think that now? besides the tech and everything else, that, that he's become such a... Because, I mean, you do remember the time. I, I think part there was of it in the, in the mid-80s, 85, 86, there was a time when it got as close, you know, Tom Baker stuff was still being rerun, but it reached a crescendo with the fan clubs and the merchandise and the conventions around the country for Doctor Who specifically that... It didn't have again for 20-some years. But there was a time there where it was incredibly popular in the mid-'80s. In in, in America, I mean. It had picked up enough steam where it was hugely popular. But but nothing like – but sorry, go ahead. Why? But I think think part of it is is accessibility, you know, having it on BBC Mm -hmm. America. Uh, Because you remember, it used to be on PBS, like Sunday night at a weird time. 10, 30, or 11 o'clock at night. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it wasn't even like a full half hour. Mm-hmm. And then they put on like Jack Horkheimer Star Hustler right after it. Like the day. I don't even know what that is. I never heard of that. <laughs> that was, that's what I, and it was funny because both my wife and I, she used to watch Doctor Who in Iowa and I watched <gasps> it in Oklahoma. Like the last 15 minutes, it was this daily show uh, that was about the, the stars. You know, he was an astronomer. And he would tell you what's going on, if there were meteor showers coming, if there's something cool to see. And he was this old kind of crusty, round, bald guy named Jack Horkheimer. And some people hustle pool, some people hustle cars, but then there's that man you've heard about, the one who hustles stars. Jack Horkheimer, star hustler, director of Miami Space Transit Planetary. I've got to look this guy up now. Jack Horkheimer? Okay. Yeah. And he'd always end the episode by saying, keep looking up. And he'd do that laugh <laughs> in the middle of the, the set. I've never heard of this dude. He just I just looked him up not too long ago, and he passed away uh, a couple Aww, of years ago. But, bless his heart. Yeah. But old Jack yeah, Horkheimer. Was, um, he, was the, he was the follow-up to Doctor Who every single night. It was a different night. world, man. It was just, I, I cannot believe. I mean, it, it struck me, and we were on the cusp of getting the um, the license. And it was in, in a matter of a couple of days this happened where uh, I came home and there was a, a poster tube, a big cardboard poster tube from the BBC in New York. And the initial yeah. guy that we dealt with for the license in New York was wonderful. That didn't last long because he moved back to England or something. But but he was he was British and he was, you know, our age, and he loved the show. He knew it backwards and forwards, and he knew the passion that I had for this thing. And it's part of what, you know, happened, what got us the license. Um, right. But this poster, I open it up, and it – remember the 
that that great campaign, which was the TARDIS, and then it was Matt Smith and Amy floating like in front of it, like like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. like almost like jumping down towards the camera at you. Yes. And it was for that season, his first full season. Here it is coming back. It's that poster signed by Karen Gillan, Matt Smith, and Stephen Moffat. Oh, yeah. nice. And it just knocked me out. I mean, I, I called the guy. I mean, like, I, can't, I thank you so much. This is so cool. He's like, oh, you're welcome. You deserve it, man. They did a few of them for, you know, uh, for, you know press and everything. And like two days later, I'm driving down Highland uh, in, in LA proper here. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's this giant billboard at like, I think it was like Highland and Melrose almost. And it was that same right. campaign, that same image. And I nearly drove off the road and I was just like, Oh my, <laughs> you couldn't, no way would my 10 year old brain have been able to process. If you came from the future and said one day when you're older, there will be billboards of this show all over town. Welcoming the new, right. just blew my mind. I could not believe yeah. that it became that, that mainstream. Well, it's just like, you know, I, walking my daughter to elementary school and seeing kids having like TARDIS lunchboxes and wearing TARDIS beanies. And it's just like, what is going on? That's, that's even crazier. Two, two things that, that, that happened that really just, wow, for me. One was, is the female following that this show has. It never had. You couldn't get a female near a Doctor Who convention if there was a shoe sale. I know that sounds stereotypical. I don't mean it to be. I just was trying to think of something that would relate to women wanting to go to a Doctor Who convention. Send your cards and letters to Jason at geekshellandherit.com. Jason's feminist rant. Um, You know, women love this show. They've loved every every act. I know it has a little bit to do with the heartthrob thing but they seem to be loving Peter Capaldi as well. The other thing is kids. Kids kids loved it when it was, you know, in its initial run, it was all you know, it, yeah. it always had that following. But kids now, because it was he was never he's not your typical cowboy. You know what I mean? He's not right. doesn't carry yep. a laser gun and doesn't get the girl or, you know, whatever. He's he's a weirdo. Um so I love that that kids um that kids have, have embraced it. And um, it's very, very, very cool. It's, I love it. I hope it doesn't go away because um, there's a lot more to be done with that, with that character. And Capaldi's the man to do it. I do want to say one quick thing, and I want to digress just for a moment. And I apologize if I get a little emotional because uh, it's kind of hard to talk about because a lot's been going on in my life with people and things and things changing and uh, sometimes for the better, sometimes not. Um, and I am coming up on 20 years in Los Angeles. So end of this month, essentially, is my 20th anniversary of being in Los Angeles. And I think that, coupled with the other things that are sort of going on, coupled with my family sort of being splintered all over the place, it, you take stock of everything. You're just like, oh my gosh, it's been 20 years. What have I done? What haven't I done? Uh, how has LA changed? You know, just all kinds of weirdness that just start popping in. Oh, and then I find out that uh, the Cat and the Fiddle, the pub, you know, the Cat and the Fiddle on closing, closing. Yeah. crazy. It was probably the second bar that I ever went to in LA uh, twenty years ago. Make room for like condos. Yeah, I, I think they're going to end up moving someplace else. 
like Cat and Fiddle will right. reopen, but it's not going to be that spot. And it's 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 such an iconic yeah. spot with the the like that the Viper patio. Room. Yeah, yeah. You know, not as much history, but House of Blues is moving somewhere. Yeah, else. I just the, the Hustler Store. Wait, wait, what? The Hustler Store is moving. The Hustler. Store. They yeah. know me there. How am I, I going to? So uh, it's very sad news. Uh, the other day, first of all, I should backtrack a bit. Um, back in the late '90s, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the mod scene. Obviously, people know this by now from the mid '60s in in, uh, in the UK. And the Small Faces are one of my favorite bands. You mentioned them many times. Quintessential mod band, and um, uh, uh, just just love them. Um, very sad story. They're they're brilliant and hugely influential. But their story is a sad one. You know, they're like, like many bands, they never got their due at the time. They never got to tour America. They had horrible deals. They got screwed every which way you can think of, especially Steve Marriott, who was the lead singer, and Ronnie Lane, the bass player and singer, who were the songwriters. So with Steve Marriott, Ronnie Lane, Ian McLoggan, and Kenny Jones, uh, was the drummer, Ian McLoggan, played keyboards. And... Um, you know, Steve Marriott died in 1991. Uh, he fell asleep with a cigarette when he woke up. They say you, if that happens, you got like 20 seconds to get out of the house. Otherwise, that's it. And he somehow woke up as the place was, you know, all full of smoke. And he, it's sad, but, you know, comical, but sad, went to the closet instead of the door to go outside. He went to the wrong door mm. and died. Right. Uh, Ronnie Lane contracted multiple sclerosis in the mid seventies and that eventually killed him. And it's a horrible, horrible disease and killed him in the late nineties. They died penniless, never got a penny from royalties, never got a penny from record sales. You know, they only got the allowance they did when the band was, was going. They were called the small faces because face is a slang term for mod. Like you're an ace face. If you're a mod, if you really got it going on with your clothes and what you're into and everything else and small because Collectively, you know, they, they were they, they all kind of looked the same. They were all about five five. I'm like five six, so you know, I love them for that too. Um, well, the other day, uh, Ian McLaughlin passed away. He had a just. I mean, when we're recording this, this happened yeah. yesterday. So this is he was 69, and he he died. And uh, in the late 90s, I tried getting a a, a film, a biopic made of the small faces and what i started with was trying to get like you could never if you wanted to get something like that off the ground about you know the rolling stones you know you could never do it because you'd need those guys with the small faces you know two of them are already gone um so ian mcloggan had written uh, his autobiography called all the rage and i went to the source and i eventually got to the publishers and i got to him and I optioned the rights to the book to take it around, to have shopping rights. Um, the Small Faces, when they disbanded in 69, uh, Steve Marriott went and formed Humble Pie with Peter Frampton, a young guy called Peter Frampton. And then the Faces, Small Faces continued as the Faces grabbed a guy called Ron Wood and a singer called Rod Stewart. And they became the Faces, and they became huge in the States. Eventually, they split up. Kenny Jones ended up drumming for The Who, after Keith Moon died. It's all incestuous. They all kind of knew each other. Ian McLaughlin, uh, you know, uh, Keith Moon was married to uh, 
uh, a woman um, named um, Kim, and um, it was a horrible marriage. In the early 70s, she, she separated, eventually divorced, and started dating Ian McLaughlin, ended up marrying him. And uh, they lived in Austin together. So by the time I got in touch with them, he was living in Austin. They were there, and he was, you know, gigging now and then with him. Billy toured with Billy Bragg when I finally met him in person. Uh, it was the House of Blues in 1999 with Billy Bragg backstage, and we hung out. He said, "He said you're a short ass, just like me. I love it. You're small like me." And um, we became friends, you know, for a couple of years. And I, I tried everything I could to to get something made for the small faces because I love them so much and um, think they they deserve their their due. They just had a box set released uh, about six months ago that I got the you know the big super duper deluxe version with a beautiful card signed by Mac and and Kenny Jones that finally after all these years they started to get some money from these recordings and and the families of Marriott and and Lane Um, but it didn't happen and I always regretted it and I always felt bad about it and it always made me sad and I I got in touch here and there throughout the years and 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 I've always talked to his wife as well, who I found out, you know, six, seven years ago when I picked up one of his latest CDs in the liner notes that it was dedicated to her. And she had been killed not long before this album came out. She was hit by a guy that ran a stop sign uh, in her car. So he just had a very, very tough life and lots of things. But he was a brilliant musician. And I love those guys. And it breaks my heart that there's one small face left and that's Kenny Jones and now Mac is gone as well so for whoever's listening I can't urge you enough to keep trying listen to the small faces find these guys find their music and uh, you know hug whoever's next to you when you can because you never know when it's when it's gone so this is for you Mac Uh, love you guys and uh, I'm glad to call you friend for a short time and you know I hope he's up there gigging somewhere in the sky, you know, very sad and, and, and just unexpected. Yeah. I just, he just was so full of life, this guy. Um, so it was, it was sad to, to, to hear that. So, but on that note, I didn't want to bring everybody down, but on that note, um, in case we don't talk to everybody before then, happy holidays, right? Cause we may not get to another. I hope we'll try and get at least one more. In case we don't happy holidays. A big year end extravaganza. I hope everyone, Everyone gets everything that they want, and um, and yeah, yeah, that's that's all. And uh, maybe we should. Maybe we'll do like a, a cusp of New Year's, and we'll uh, you know embrace my twenty years in LA at the same time. Do a little yeah. send off or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. So there. So there's a there's a double dose. That's a huge episode for you people to chew on because that's we've been right. away for a while. So um, I hope you um, hope you love it. Yes, enjoy it and uh, happy holidays and uh, happy anniversary to us. Yeah, happy anniversary to us. Shiny, let's be bad guys. I know kung fu. Show. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.